Welcome. You're listening to Faith vs. Weight with Maria Bauer. Maria is a former U.S. Navy Health Information Systems Officer, current health and wellness coach, and author of the book, Faith vs. Weight, reminding you that you already have victory in Christ. Now, here's your host, Maria Bauer. Hello and welcome. Thank you for listening. For those of you recently joining the Faith vs. Weight podcast, there are three seasons, each with a distinct emphasis. For a Christian weight management program that actually works, check out Season 1, Episodes 1-10, through 10, based on the book Faith vs. Weight, Magnifying the Glory of God, and Season 2, Episodes 13-63, through 63, based on the accompanying action guide, Faith vs. Weight, Daily Strength to Shine. You are now listening to Season 3, Episodes 64 and Beyond, focusing specifically on the faith aspect of the Faith vs. Weight program. Season 3 can be used as a spiritual maintenance plan as you grow through the Word of God or in tandem with the weight management program covered in Seasons 1 and 2. Season 3 is based on the chronological 5-day Bible plan, BibleClassMaterial.com, covering the entire Bible in just one year, because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. Welcome to Season 3. Today is Week 3, Day 1, covering Genesis 28-29 through 29 and Mark 11, Seeing versus Believing. In Genesis 28, we start out with Isaac blessing Jacob, telling him, he will not take a Canaanite wife. Jacob is told to go to his uncle Laban's house, his uncle on his mother's side, to find a wife. This is the same Laban who allowed Abraham's servant to bring Rebekah to Isaac in the first place. Isaac then prays that El Shaddai would pass on the same blessing of Abraham to Isaac, and that his seed would not only become a great nation, but that Isaac would also inherit the land where he travels. On a side note, when Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob, telling him not to marry a Canaanite, Esau decided to go to the line of Ishmael, which was his uncle on his father's side, and also find a non-Canaanite wife. The only problem with this was that Esau already had two wives, and a wife from the line of Ishmael was not going to improve his standing since Ishmael's descendants had been left out of the Abrahamic covenant. So, whatever the reason for Esau's attempt, it did not improve his situation, but instead made things worse. After Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, he decided to stop along the way and get some sleep. He put a stone under his head as a pillow and had one of the most beautifully illustrated dreams in the Bible, a stairway to heaven with angels ascending and descending, with the Lord standing above it telling Jacob that he was the same God of Abraham and Isaac, and that Jacob would inherit the land he was on for him and his seed. He tells him that his offspring will be as the dust of the earth, and that all families from his seed will be blessed. He also tells him that he will return to this land with the Lord keeping him in his coming and his going, not leaving him until he has done what he told Jacob he would do. Jacob then wakes up the next morning, realizing that the Lord was in this place, but that he did not know it. He had to see it to believe it. He then recognizes that this is God's house, calling it the gate of heaven. He then takes the stone from under his head and consecrates it with oil, naming the place Bethel, stating that, Not only is this God's house, but that he is going to make a vow to the Lord, telling him that if the Lord will keep him and take care of him, that he will give the Lord a tenth of whatever the Lord gives him right back. In Genesis 29, Jacob continues on his journey until he sees a well with a large mouth 
that is covered by a huge stone. Then he sees some men with three flocks of sheep, and he asks if they know Laban. As they are speaking, Rachel appears with her father's sheep because she was a shepherdess. Jacob went ahead and rolled the stone away to the well so that he could water the sheep Rachel was tending. He then kisses her and explains that her father is his uncle. She ran and told her father, Laban, who then ran to meet Jacob, welcoming him and embracing him and bringing him to his house. After Jacob lives there for one month, Laban asks what Jacob would want for his wages going forward. Jacob asks for the hand of Rachel, telling Laban he will serve him for seven years in order to be able to marry Rachel. Laban agrees that he is a better prospect than anyone else and seals a deal. When the seven years is over, Jacob asks for the wedding nuptials to commence. So Laban throws a feast. All is going according to plan until the next morning when Jacob realizes that Laban gave him the wrong sister to marry. Rachel's sister, Leah, was described as having weak eyes, while Rachel was described as being beautiful. In the dark of the night, Laban gave Jacob Leah instead of Rachel. Jacob was understandably shocked and asked why Laban would do such a thing. Laban goes on to tell him that because Leah is the older sister, she had to be married first, so Jacob has to conclude the marriage nuptials with her for one week. At that point, Jacob can then have Rachel, but, oh, by the way, he will need to serve Laban another seven years. Jacob fulfilled the week and then married Rachel, whom he loved. Many comment on the fact that Jacob tricked Esau out of his birthright and blessing so that this was just payback. At first glance, it also looks like Leah got the bad end of the deal because her husband did not love her. However, another interesting thing occurred in this whole process. At this point, only Leah was able to conceive. Rachel was not. Leah's sons happened to be the first four of the 12 tribes of Israel, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, the line from which David and Jesus both belonged. Weak eyes or not, there was no way that Leah could see or believe that she would be a part of the messianic line. In Mark 11, we find Jesus, who is actually referred to as the lion of the tribe of Judah in Revelation, signifying the importance of Judah as he is drawing nearer to Jerusalem. He sends two disciples and tells them to go into a village and untie a donkey that they will find waiting that no one has sat on. When people ask what they are doing, they are to say the Lord needs him and he will send him back. After returning with the donkey, they throw their garments on it before Jesus sits on it, while many others are spreading their garments on the way along with branches from trees. In the front and in the back were people shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They saw and they believed that Jesus came from the kingdom of David. Jesus entered into the temple in Jerusalem, looked around, and then went to Bethany. On his way back, he cursed a fig tree that did not produce fruit when he was hungry and needed to eat. As they entered the temple, Jesus threw out those who bought and sold in the temple along with the money changers and the dove sellers. He would not allow merchandise in the temple, asking, Is it not written that my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it into a den of robbers. One of the reasons he said this is because people were being taken advantage of. At this point, the chief priests and scribes had enough of Jesus and wanted to destroy him. They now feared him because Jesus had a great following. The next morning, Jesus and his disciples passed by the cursed fig tree again. This time, Peter yells in surprise, Look, the fig tree you cursed has withered away, acting shocked that Jesus could actually make a fig tree with 
further. Jesus then tells him to have faith in God and that whoever may tell this mountain be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is happening, it will be done for him. Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus then says that whatever you pray and ask for, believe that you have received and you shall have it. But when you stand to pray, you need to first forgive anyone you have anything against so that your father in heaven can forgive you. Seeing is not enough. You have to believe, which also means you have to forgive. Finally, they come again to Jerusalem and he walks in the temple. The chief priests, scribes and elders ask him, by what authority do you do these things? Jesus says, I will also ask you one question. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? They knew if they answered heaven that they would be validating Jesus. But they also knew that if they answered man, that the crowd might go nuts because everyone believed John was a prophet. So they played it safe and said, we don't know. To which Jesus replied, neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. Jesus knew that if they could not even admit that John the Baptist's anointing was from heaven, they certainly were not going to admit that Jesus was the son of God. They could see, but they could not believe. Today's reflection, seeing versus believing. Today's action, ask the Lord to help you recognize your blind spots in order for your seeing to turn into your believing. But first, remember to forgive. Daily Devo is just a snapshot intended to get you excited about the rest of the greatest story ever told. Check out Genesis 28 through 29 and Mark 11. Just 15 to 30 minutes a day of Bible listening on one of your favorite Bible apps while you are driving, working out, doing the dishes, or folding laundry five days a week will allow you to cover the entire Bible in one year as God's promises cover you in the process. For a Christian-based weight management program that actually works, check out Season 1, Episodes 1 through 10, and Season 2, Episodes 13 through 63 of this podcast. For the print versions, check out the book, Faith vs. Weight, Magnifying the Glory of God, and Action Guide, Faith vs. Weight, Daily Strength to Shine. Thank you for listening to Faith vs. Weight, reminding you that you already have victory in Christ. Consult your physician before starting any weight loss or exercise program 